0: Hello everyone, welcome to our bonus podcast, I'm the host Donatas Rubonas, saying hi to you, saying zdrava uh, to you from Belgrade and personally I'm very happy to see you, Ritis, also back to the podcast because you had some, well, let's say, explain yourself why we were missing you before the final four.
1: Yeah, hi Donatas. hello everybody. Uh, I had some issues with my voice actually on Sunday after four broadcasts during the uh, Phoenix-Dallas Game 7, I actually lost my voice. I somehow finished the, the game, but I was really struggling, and then I felt like there's a knife in my throat for a couple of days, so I, I could barely speak, so it was not possible to record a Final Four preview podcast. But anyway, I, I believe that after the quarterfinals, we've discussed b- briefly about the matchups, about the semifinals. We had our predictions I had my prediction from the very beginning that it's going to be Real Madrid against FS in the final. I was lucky to uh, guess correctly the winners because obviously everything was decided by a single shot. Anyway, yeah, I, I had some issues. Uh, I still have some discomfort while talking. I don't know what happened to me. I didn't see any doctors yet. It sounds like a singer's but uh, somehow issues, no? Probably, I mean, because of uh, because of speaking a lot and and um, emotions, speaking on a high tone, everything what added up. What a lot was of that moment when you lost of your voice?
0: I mean, who kind
1: of uh, killed your voice? Was it, no, it, it was just the beginning of the game, Phoenix-Dallas, game seven. Uh, I wanted to express some emotion after Doncic hitting a step back a jump shot and all of a sudden I lost my voice. I, I couldn't do anything. I actually apologized to all the viewers to the audience because well the commentator sounds like he's either drunk or haven't slept for a couple of weeks (laughs) i don't know and well anyway i've managed to have a decent night yesterday with all the basketball action i feel kind of okay today hopefully nothing happens during the podcast and hopefully i will be Okay, and ready for the finals.
0: Yeah, probably now I actually look, uh, I mean, I am I am that guy who looks like drunk or anybody who slept for like four hours, uh, four hours, because that's what actually happened, you know, because we, we worked uh, long hours, let's say, after the first uh, semifinal yeah. game. There are some other behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, guys, uh, as well, right? But anyway, it, it was more related to, to work, and we are recording this pod uh, early in the morning here in Belgrade, 11 o'clock. And still, there are a lot of things ahead with media day for the final, Jordan Bertomeo, press conference, some other, f- other things. So it's, it's a busy week in, in Belgrade, I have to tell you. Yeah, you were in the awards ceremony as well. Yeah, it was it was like before the official press conference. That everything was in the same place. What is different uh, compared to what was before? That your usually they took some nice places for the awards ceremony. But I don't know if it w- it was related to COVID, to some restrictions or to some, let's say, political things or the fact that, you know, Final Four was relocated two or three months ago. So maybe they didn't have any space to make this award ceremony, but they made it uh, in the same place where they have these usual press conferences. So, you know, I, I, I took uh, part in this uh, ceremony. It was it was OK, you know. No catchy phrases, races, nothing, uh, nothing special uh, before the Final Four. Although later, you know, uh, probably you already saw all these quotes, you know, about Ergin Ataman and NBA. Uh, Fabian Kozer sharing his uh, EuroLeague uh, Final Eve uh, memories about snorting Luka Doncic. So, yeah, later we had some better quotes, which you can find on basketnews.com. Nice. And just just to wrap up this experience, I just wanted to exclude three things why I love this final four in Belgrade. First of all, you probably saw on our Instagram um, page uh, that both games in semifinals they had the same result at the same time. It was seventy to seventy-three with less than four minutes uh, remaining. So. Okay, we can question the level of the game we saw, but at least there was enough drama. Then the second thing is the atmosphere. I mean, having more than 10,000 Olympiacos fans in stands, uh, hearing them singing not only in an Olympiacos game, but later it was like a, you know, basketball symphony to my ears and and soul uh, probably what they did before the game how they supported the team you could find all these videos on uh, basketnews.com twitter uh, channel uh, how how they greeted uh, Olympiacos bus when they arrived uh, to the game it was it was something special and i could see that smile and joy in everybody uh, i and everybody's eyes who who were in the gym and the third thing i will mention that it's it's just crazy to be in a city which is full of basketball and it's it's the first time after three years we have all these basketball people together, like I call a basketball family, including journalists, uh, players, teams, executives, scouts, all under one roof. And it's, it's it's really amazing because we were missing that feeling. And for example, now I'm coming to this podcast after the breakfast where I was like sitting next to Nigel William Gus because I just randomly hid him in some random breakfast uh, place, uh, l- let's say. So before the games, I remember just watching Zelko Bradovic, assistant coaches, uh, crossing by the street. So it's amazing feeling to be here in, in, in Belgrade. Did
1: Really happy did for Did you, you feel
0: as amazing watching these two games? Which game would you like to start from?
1: I did feel amazing. I mean... If I wanted to be in Belgrade right now, I would be there, but it was my decision not to come. Uh, but well, we can just start from the beginning. Uh, Olympiaqua CFS was the first semifinal, so we can start talking about this yep. one.
0: What do you have for it? Right. So Because personally uh, I have a lot of thoughts of about it.
1: Well, I have some thoughts. I don't know if it's a lot. Obviously, it's an instant EuroLeague Final Four Classic when a game ends with a buzzer beater. Vasa Mitic hitting that, hitting that shot, a crazy shot, a wild shot, you could say. And Vasa was not really having a particularly great game. He was not having a good fourth quarter. He missed clutch free throws. And basically, both teams really were not coping very well with the pressure in the fourth quarter, in my opinion. Olympiakos had a lot of opportunities to take the lead. They just couldn't convert... Their chances, Uh, Sasha Vezenkov missed some really quality spot-up shots that usually go in. Watching him all season, he was one of the most consistent players in in Europe. He was one from eight, shooting the ball. I know there were some tough shots uh, with the shot clock running down, but uh, there were some good spot-ups. He should make those, and it was just not his night. Yeah, I completely
0: completely understand why he was in tears after the game, because, you know, he made a all your league team. Uh, he was a big reason why Olympiacos were successful. He was always that spot-up uh, threat, uh, and it was very important piece for Olympiacos in this game because, as one was one of the players said, that FS usually used the defense where they have help from the foreman. So it was a good opportunity, you know, to use the strengths of Sasha Vzenkov. And he went scoreless in the first half. He made his first shot, I think, uh, only in the end of the third quarter, something like that. And as you said, I mean, he was missing really, really good uh, shots. So, uh, and especially when the game was kind of stuck because both teams just couldn't score. So I, I think it was very painful experience for Sasha Vzenkov. of course. I, I believe that he will be better next time he will be better in the next Final Four and maybe that also comes with the experience. It's his
1: first It's his fir- first appearance exactly. in the Final Four. And you could see those uh, those experienced players, Papa Nicolau and Slukas, uh, they went through all these things uh, in their pre- previous years playing in the Final Four. There was no pressure on Slukas or Papa Nicolau. They were making the right decisions, the right plays. Actually, Slukas... Kept them in the game in the end and gave them the chance to win. He hit the free throws. He assisted Hassan Martin for, for a layup when they tied the game. Uh, I think that uh, from the very beginning, Olympiacos looked like they have a better game plan. When they were playing in the paint using Mustafa Fall first, uh, he was attacking Tibor Plyce and Plyce just could not handle him. Brian Dunstan did a better job, but he also had some problems, which is why he fouled out eventually. And um, then Hassan Martin stepped up off the bench, and the pick and rolls were really clicking. Uh, Hassan Martin, I think he scored like seven points in, in three minutes or something like that, playing the pick and rolls with Slukas. With, uh, and really, Olympiakos looked like they have a better game plan, but FS was always there. Um, they started slow, but after Dunstan hit that crazy three pointer, uh, Other players felt better. Shane Larkin was carrying the team because Mitzis had some struggles. Shane Larkin was playing almost without any rest in the first half. And in the second half, he also sat like for two or three minutes only. And the biggest thing for Ergin Ataman, I believe, is that they found a guy who stepped up. Kruno Simon was out. Kruno Simon, this whole season was in and out and he was not really in a very good shape. It was not Kruno Simon of last season. And Elijah Bryant mm. became a key player all of a sudden. He played his best game in an Anadolu FS jersey. He scored 16 points. He was 5 from 5, I believe, in uh, in the middle of the third quarter. He hit three three-pointers, he hit a couple of floaters. Elijah Bryant uh, can ball. We know that. Tyler Dorsey knows that. He played with him in, in Maccabi. So really, it was very important for FS to find something extra that could help Larkin and, and Mitsich, and they found a the guy. But again, I think that Olympiakos should be proud of themselves, I think Barsoca should be proud of his team. They did not have a bad performance, they were very close playing against the Euroleague champions, some things didn't work out, some things you cannot predict or control, like Dorsey, for example, missing a couple of important free throws. But in the end it was just about greatness. It was just about uh, Vasa Mitic and that crazy shot. But to be, the, the to game be honest, winner. I mean, I completely
0: agree with the fact that Jorgos barsokas uh, he deserves the coach of the year award. Uh, I think that he did a tremendous job. And of course, now I can pretend to be a smart guy, uh, you know, watching this fourth quarter, watching the stats, uh, just making my own um, opinion on what could have been different. And for me personally, you know, watching Olympiacos struggle offensively, they scored only one, 11 points. They were only three of 12 and 0 oh, from uh, five, uh, making three-pointers. And I felt that uh, I was missing some adjustments of coach Barzokas because he played the same five all the fourth quarter. Yes, you mentioned Hassan Martin. He was super important, especially in the uh, f- uh, third quarter. I think he he scored uh, 7 points in the third quarter alone, and he was really important. But at the same time in fourth quarter, Nevers Lucas was finding a good shot. Mazenko was missing everything. Hassan Martin, okay, he's good in pick and roll, but I was I was missing some adjustments. I wanted to see Thomas Walk up on the court. Maybe he would have helped, you know, organizing the offense. Even trying to put Mustafa foul just for a couple of minutes to give uh, more opportunities inside the paint. So, I don't know. I had some mixed feelings, you know. After watching Olympiakos, really, really struggling a lot. They they, they couldn't make a field goal for last five minutes before Hassan Martin uh, scored that uh, layup after uh, Slukas' assist. So, I don't know. It, it felt me, you know, it left uh, me in the mixed feelings. And there was a moment... You mentioned Slukas. He was great all year long. But at the same time, there was a moment where Vasilis Panoulis' face was on, on, on the screen in the arena, in Stark Arena. And whole gym started, you know, chanting, Oh, Vasilis Panoulis. And I was like, that stage was set for kostas Lucas, you know, to, let's say, continue Vasilis Panoulis' uh, saga. I mean, both teams were stuck. Olympiacos needed somebody to score. And I was missing Vasilis mental type of player on Olympiacos' side. Um, we're talking about the greatest uh, players. We're talking about goats. And I just think that, you know, that Spanulis presents these memories about Spanulis and what we saw in Olympiakos' game and what we remembered about them making these miracles uh, 10 years ago, 9 years ago, the way they won consecutive EuroLeague uh, finals. I think that they were...
1: Lacking of that goat, actually, on the court. I get what you're saying, but actually I have to disagree with you on this one. When you're talking about Barsocas playing the same lineup in the fourth quarter, he played, I think, his best lineup. Who are you going to take out of the game? Tyler Dorsey hit some... Big shots, important shots. Kostas Lucas has to be on the court. Sasha Vesenkov has to be on the court. Hasan Martin has to be there for defensive purposes mainly. And they were playing great defense. In the fourth quarter on Efes, they were locked. Their ISO basketball didn't work. Larkin penetrating or Vasamitsic penetrating the paint didn't work. They were not hitting anything. They had a wide open look for Mormon, but Mormon was really cold. And... I mean, Olympiacos were in a good position to win the game. They played good defense. The problem was the Anadolovs run in the third quarter when they took an 11-point lead. Olympiacos needed a lot of energy to come back. Uh, They actually finished the quarter quite well. They finished being down by four. I don't have a problem with the lineup, actually, that Barsocos chose. It was the correct decision, in my opinion, for defensive purposes. And on offense... It's hard to control some of those things. Players missing wide open shots or missing free throws, clutch free throws. It's not up to the coach. And I'm not sure if Thomas Walkup could change the picture. Mm, he went for his best players. He had his best offensive players on the court. We could argue about foul. Maybe it is possible to play foul for a couple of minutes to try and break on FS with his size. But if you look at the second half, foul was not that great. Uh, he started the game strongly, he was attacking Tibor Plais. he draw, drew fouls, he scored some points, but Hasan Martin was actually the better option in this game. Yep. So I, I have to disagree with you on this one. Yes, we can talk about Olympiakos lacking a GOAT. Sure, Vasa Mitic is the best player on the court and he hits the game winner, the buzzer beater, Kostas Lukas did not have the opportunity to take the final shot. Olympiacos did not have the final possession. They were hoping for an overtime. Then you can discuss their choices on defense when the game was tied with 15 seconds left. Ataman was very clear during his timeout. He said, with six seconds left, Vasa has to attack. It's it's okay, he, has, he needs to have the ball. Everyone's expecting that to happen. Then Olympiacos have some choices to make. Do you blitz Vasa? Do you force him to pass the ball? Uh, I, I read Mike James on Twitter saying you could actually foul him and have the last position to your, possession to yourself. I'm not a big fan of this idea. But if you could force Vasa to pass the ball and the game would be decided by Mormon taking the last shot, even if it's wide open, I would take that. I would rather see Mormon taking a wide open shot than Vasa Micic hitting the fadeaway. But it is what it is. It's very easy to talk after everything happened already. I think it was good defense, but just better offense in uh, this case. Regarding
0: the last position, yeah, everything was clear. Because even before that last shot, there was a position where Vasa Misic penetrated and he passed the ball out to Mormon and he missed pretty good open look. And yeah, I, I don't agree with Mike James because, uh, as you mentioned, Olympiakos had uh, big struggles offensively, so you you decide the game by defense, not by offense in this situation and in the fourth quarter uh, like that. But, and yeah, I agree. I mean, at first, we have to emphasize how smart Vasa Mitic was in that uh, last, last position. He was really struggling throughout the game and it was related to two, uh, two facts. First of all, he wasn't 100% before this Final Four uh, because of his, let's say, old injuries. Also, he kind of got injured again or on different plays during the game. And you could clearly see him limping uh, during the game. Every time he made some shots, he was his face was in pain. So he was he was struggling. And he played like 34 minutes. And he missed two free throws in the end of the fourth quarter. And Shane Larkin, the same. He got injured. He was subbed out for three minutes. Um, and he, he couldn't find his rhythm. And he got back. I mean... Personally, I thought that Fs are done. But then that last possession, Mitzic, I mean, Olympiakos, they were doing everything very good. I mean, Thomas Walkup and Sasha Vazenkov, the way they approached the screen of Mormer, they did everything not to switch um, Mitsich on Vazenkov. But Vasa was so patient. He rescreened screened uh, two times, I think. And finally... Probably where they were not patient enough. And Thomas Volkov decided to run uh, for Moirmont. And that's how, you know, Vazenkov uh, was left out uh, against uh, Misic. And then with like four, three or two seconds left, Misic, you know, finally playing patient, playing smart. He got this switch. And, I mean, I have to be honest. Although I don't consider Vazenkov as a great defender, he did everything to make this shot as contested as possible. I, I stopped this video and it was like almost his hand was almost on his face, and the shots and the hand I mean, that was very tough, off balance shot. And that's what that's that's where Spanulis was playing that night. That's uh, w- what kind of color of jerseys Spanulis was wearing uh, that night. But um, regarding to your uh, um, thoughts about uh, lineup changes of Olympiacos, I mean, um, I just see, a, let's say, a couple of opportunities to make some adjustments during the fourth quarter. Tyler Dorsey, he had only one point uh, during the fourth quarter. I agree with you about Fall. fall.
1: But he was the guy who hit the shots uh, in the end of the third. Dorsey hit those shots that actually got Olympiacos back in the game when they were yeah, down I agree. by 11. He
0: had an amazing third quarter, but maybe let's sub out him for two or three minutes to keep him fresh for the end, and let's try something for Volkup I mean, I just cannot accept the situation where you cannot score a field goal for five minutes and then ke- when you obviously when you see FS really struggling uh, just energy-wise because all their key players,
1: yeah. they were really out of gas. Yeah, man, I, I get what you're saying, but if the game's on the line and you need to choose a player for an ISO situation, let's say, Dorsey or Volkov, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's a no-brainer, Dorsey. but
0: if we're talking about the beginning of the fourth quarter and you have Dorsey who who is scoring 1.9 minutes of the fourth quarter, I mean...
1: Yeah, but he missed two free throws. I mean, who can predict that? Who can foresee Tyler Dorsey missing yes, that, two free throws? That's the thing it why happens. I
0: might look as a smart guy uh, talking about after the fourth quarter <laughs> when I see this box score of the fourth quarter and possible adjustments. But still, I was just missing some reaction, yeah. you know, because there was a moment
1: no, but I, where I'm I, thi- just I saying, thought that Olympiacos could,
0: you know, finish yeah. the game uh, in, in their favor when FS were really struggling as well.
1: Well, which is why I'm disagreeing with you because I'm I'm, I'm thinking about the coach, and he is going with a better offensive player in this case. I know that in the end he only got one point in the in the fourth quarter, but Tyler Dorsey is better than Thomas Walkup with the ball in his hands. If we're talking about the um, offensive talent, it's a fact. Everybody knows that. And on defense, Olympiakos was good. I don't think there were any adjustments needed. They just needed some luck or, I don't know, balls, players hitting shots, Vezenkov hitting a, at least one corner free. That's all they needed. I mean, in, in this situation, they were close to going to the overtime because uh, the last possession was for FS, not for Oli. Um, in the end of the day, it was just two great teams battling it out and Anadol Efes got the win. Uh, like I said, the impact of Elijah Bryant was huge in this game. Throughout the season, it looked like a very questionable addition for an adult FS. Elijah Bryant was averaging five points per game with quite low shooting numbers, and you didn't really see any impact from him. Only a couple of regular season performances where he scored like 15 or, or 12 points, but he just looked like a role player that doesn't do much. In this game he stepped up. Ro- Ronnie Bobois, for example, he was somewhere, I don't know, he was gone, he was disappeared, he played some minutes, but I didn't really feel like Bobois was there. Probably he's not healthy, I mean, he had injury problems. and Yeah, probably, because he played less than five minutes in the first half and in the second half he also didn't contribute much. I want to give a shout-out also to two veterans f- from the United States, uh, Chris Singleton and Brian Dunstan. You could feel their energy. They were so aggressive. They were so dedicated on defense. Uh, w- they got in a foul trouble, right? But some of these fouls were really smart. And um, I'm really happy to see a guy like Singleton, for example, who was struggling during the regular season. He was criticized a lot. A lot of people were saying that yeah, Singleton that is not yeah. to himself anymore. Probably, but in this game, there are no huge numbers, but he really played good, aggressive, hard, made some buckets, yeah, but usually from Singleton, you're not expecting a lot of points, you need his energy and his uh, fighting spirit, so Dunstan and Singleton, two veteran players in the final four, they really stepped up, and yeah, just, I mean, is is a slightly better team in my eyes, It would be nice to see a best of five series between these two clubs, but at the end of the day, you have to appreciate the champions, the defending champions, the character is there, the clutchness, everything. And Olympiacos, well, one shot away from making it to the final. But as you said, I believe it's just the first but not the last experience in the final four for Sasha Vizenkov. They have a great team. Uh, You cannot say that this team is aging, Printezis is approaching retirement probably, but Slukas and Papa Nicolau, they still have at least a couple of good seasons in them. The core of the team is very good, but Sokas has a clear idea how he wants uh, the team to play, to function, uh, a very well-balanced team. They have every chance to come back next year. Well, right now, I think Olympiakos... Uh, They have an amazing support in Belgrade. They have like 10,000 fans. I think they will be the more motivated team for the third place game. And to finish on a high note, to finish the season, grabbing the third spot and... Looking back, you could say it was a hell of a season for Oli. Yeah, trying to talk about
0: their future, as you mentioned, I I, I can see them only improvement uh, improving. Uh, like Printes is, is going to retire, so they will uh, find new players uh, to fill some yeah. positions. The only concern, the main thing, is that the core is staying uh they had this extension with fall uh, they have slukas for a long-term contract walk-up the only question is probably over uh, Dorsey's future because he has this clear goal to go to the nba and probably is going to be his yeah. uh, priority uh for the for summer let's say and i'm not sure if Olympiakos yeah. will be willing to wait for his answer like it happened last year i think that he joined Olympiacos uh, just in august but if you add uh, another, let's say, similar type of player like Tyler Dorsey, it will be a great fit, as we saw, you know, uh, next to Slukas and walkup Other than that, they might make yeah. some adjustments with role players, uh, but I believe that we'll see the same core of guys and, I mean, the future might be only better uh, for this team. We, we didn't hide our love for Olympiakos uh, for what they did uh, this year, Uh it's, it's sad that they were like one shot away, or let's say one crazy shot away from great player like Vasa Misic. But that's the final four. Yeah, that's the reality
1: of the final four. Yeah. And Vazenkov was third on the MVP list, and you can expect more of the same next season. Uh, yeah, Dorsey, if, if he leaves the team, if he goes to the NBA, you will need to sign somebody as a replacement. But actually, there's not a lot to change for this roster. I could see only a couple of areas where they where they can improve. Well, for example, if Printes retires, um, and you can replace Quincy, Ac, and Livio Jean-Charles with better role players, more quality, add more quality on the bench, and that's it. But other than that, they're good to go. For example, Shaquille McKissick, uh, he's known for his inconsistency. In this game, again, I saw really good energy from McKissick. And very important was that he made all his free throws because other teams usually foul him. It's very difficult to contain him when he plays on the open court. And, and he hit all the free throws. I think it was a good game from Makisic. FS, as Ataman said, they wanted to push the pace. They wanted to have a lot of fast break opportunities. They are so dependent on the free point shooting. And in the fourth quarter, there were no fast breaks. There were no easy points. Uh, it's, it, w- it was not very good quarter from Manadol FS actually. Olympiacos did a good job limiting the numbers. I mean, when you limit FS under 80 points, you will always have a chance to win against them. FS had they are a very talented team, but they're not a very good defensive team. So it was a close game with up and ups and downs. Olympiacos was better in the first half, especially the first quarter. FS had a, a big run in the third in the end of the day, I think uh, it's nice to have Fs defending the crown in the in the final and Ataman, well, once again, raising the finger, one more left, one more game left. He knows what he's saying. He said before that uh, they're going to leave uh, Belgrade with the trophy in the storm or something like that. So he is keeping his promises so far and they can be the first sixth seed to actually win the EuroLeague. The fifth seed... Have won it before Real Madrid, Fenerbahce, but the sixth seed. I'm not sure even if the six seed ever won a playoff series in, in in the Euroleague. But FS they are very close yeah, right sixth now. The six
0: seed won. Uh, it was Jagratis against Olympiacos, I think, four years ago. But all oh, right. But right, what, right. What do you think about yeah. first seeds and them being unlucky in the final fours? Uh, what are your thoughts about Barcelona failing uh, to secure win against Real Madrid, where it seemed like you know everything should have gone. Uh, should, should go to in their yeah. favor. Uh, Real missing probably the main point guard uh, of the team, them having problems during the season, not playing, let's say, best basketball in the recent months, and,
1: yeah, yeah, falling short. Well, this El Clásico is kind of hard to digest, actually. First of all, before going into detail, a couple of questions about Barca. Uh, what's wrong with Kyle Kuric? Is he s- having some health issues? It, it must be something with his health. Because he was
0: playing uh, so great uh, all, all year, and he played two minutes in, in this game. It has to be something with yeah. his health. We didn't have enough because, time you know, to ask these questions. Probably we will do it uh, yeah. today, during the media day. But I think it has to be something.
1: Well, something has to be wrong, because he's the best shooter in, in the EuroLeague right now, because there's no more J.C. Carroll. On the stage, so something has to be wrong with him. And twelve minutes of Corey Higgins, I didn't get that, honestly.
0: Uh, in what I, way? I,
1: I I know he's a great he I know he's a great player, a legendary player. He didn't play whole season. You're playing him for twelve minutes in the third quarter when Real Madrid are coming back. They had Barça had a thirteen point lead, and that second unit with Higgins with Jokubaitis. During that crucial moment, they were on the, on the floor. Nick Nikolaitis was sitting, I think, for too long. It's normal to shorten your rotation in a game like this. You can start trusting six or seven guys. I believe there's a quote from Phil Jackson. It, it's something like, uh, during the decisive game, you rotate seven, play six, trust five. And I really didn't get Corey Higgins being there for 12 minutes. He hasn't played for, what, like three months?
0: Yeah, he came back recently. Or something like that? He, he looked in a, let's say, match fit shape. And he, he was important uh, for the locker room. And I agree with uh, with you. Uh, he was miser- miserable. But at the same time, maybe Shadas just didn't have any backcourt options. Uh, if Kurish was not healthy for know, the man. game, for example... <laughs>
1: Play Kaleides 30 32 minutes. Play La Provitola as much as you can. Jokubaitis, okay, he's a young player. He made a good play in the first half. I think in the second half, he has no business being on that court. It's a veterans game at that point. And Real Madrid, they have so much experience. You're, you need to match that. Even Mirotic. Play 36 minutes of Nikola Mirotic. I don't see why not. You don't have very solid options as backups in, in these situations. And Real Madrid came back and took the lead when Barca was playing the second unit. But, you know, anyways, I, I cannot really understand how Barca lost this game. Uh, Nigel Williams-Goss got injured with 20 seconds or 30 seconds in the game. Real Madrid were left with Sergio Yuy, Fabian Cosser, and Alberto Balde. And the game plan was handoff to Cosser driving to the left. It's so simple. Of course, the, the Frenchman made huge plays with those two steals and, and fast breaks. And 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 when La Provitola tripped himself to Poiré, Cosser hitting that three-pointer, I, I really thought it's, it's a French Jason Tatum on the court. But honestly, I cannot understand and explain how Barcelona lost this game. They were in such a great position. They allowed 52 points... To an opponent that was led by Kozer and Yui. I know Tavares can be a problem in some situations. He didn't actually play in the fourth quarter because uh, Lasso went with Poire with, with, with a more mobile center. I know Yabusele is great. Yabusele probably took it personally that he was not included in the uh, All euroleague second team. And in this game, he was really matching Nikola Mirotic. Mirotic was four from six shooting freeze. Yabusele answered, got the same numbers. But again, I'm not sure how Barca lost it. Um, it. It went to the wire to the last seconds. And of course, when it goes to the last seconds, it's anybody's game. And for example, you made a good play. La Provitola rushed. When he went to the basket and and Poirea blocked his shots, uh, there were some frustrating situations for Barca. They had a really great set for um, Abrinas after a timeout to tie the game with a three-pointer. Unfortunately, his foot was on the line. Unfortunately, it was a two-pointer. And I mean, they won 6L Classico so far this season. Somewhere this run had to end and it ended. The worst time the worst possible time for, for Barca. It, it's it's the biggest win of the season for Real Madrid. Nobody cares about what happened to the regular season now. The most important thing is that Real Madrid is in the final. And I think for F.S., they should be looking at this situation like a very, very big opportunity. You're facing Real Madrid with veterans play that played extended minutes on Thursday. Nigel Williams-Goss is out. I don't believe he can come back. Yeah, I saw him tomorrow. in breakfast. He didn't look. Uh, it it, it like looked really he bad. He was ready to play it tomorrow. It looked for. really bad, so it's the title is FS to lose. Yeah, actually. But yeah, there,
0: there's one point. I mean, yeah, Real is full of veterans. They have injury problems, but at the same time, we don't know was the health situation, was the health status of Shane Larkin. He played 38 minutes. He got injured in the yeah, day, in, yeah. in the end. So. Let's wait and see how he's doing. As I said, Mitic, he was already feeling some injury problems before the Final Four. I'm not so sure how this Mm. hit of Shaquille Makisic made things worse. And they really looked exhausted in the end of the game. So I, 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 I agree with you that it's a great chance, kind of out of nowhere, considering their entire season. But at the same time, yeah. I just hope that they will have enough uh, strength, you know, to recover for the mm. final
1: game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the finals predictions probably in the end of the podcast. Let's let's just stay with El Clasico a yeah, little bit longer. I, what's your What's your take? What do you think? Why Barcelona lost the game? What was the I problem? Have no clue they were about 13 they were about 13 in the beginning of the third
0: i have no clue i mean i wouldn't underestimate uh, fabian kozer i mean he already had some great games during the season and important moments for real madrid he's actually on his uh, career high um let's say highest scoring numbers when he's wearing uh, uh, real jerseys in in five seasons i think so i mean it's not surprising that he took over the team and to be honest, I mean Nigel Williams-Goss, he wasn't uh, overperforming this year, so you cannot say that Kazer, uh, uh, you know, came out of nowhere.
1: But he was good in Maccabi series. Williams-Goss was yeah, really true. good in Maccabi that's series. True.
0: But still, in games against Barca, Goss was not so important, uh, let's say. So I just want to, you know, uh, to appreciate what Kozer did on the court, uh, I mean, that was amazing performance, both offensively and defensively. Uh, he not only inspired this uh, Real Madrid run in the second half when they went for 17-2, uh, he scored nine points in the third quarter and he scored these five decisive points in the end of the fourth quarter uh, when he get a, uh, hit a three-pointer uh, over Nicolas Laprovitola when he got slipped. And then he stole the ball in the next possession. I think it was it was uh, crucial and he kind of set the tone for the entire team in the second half. Yeah. And I just... It, to explain what happened, I would like to start, you know, from Real's side at first. And um, I really loved what all these three Frenchmen did on the court. You mentioned Jabouzela. He, he made four three-pointers, which is his... Uh, he matched his career high in the League. He made tough shots. These were really tough shots and you had skill and guts, let's say, to make uh, all these shots. Then Vincent yeah. I mean, I think that, that uh, his block in with less than one minute to play, it was something around 50 seconds to play, his block uh, on La Provitala's shot, when it seemed like he's going to finish with the layup against uh, Lul, I think it was the Matthew second uh, most important uh, highlight, let's say, of the final four after uh, Missig uh, three-pointer, and this is this was only one of few. Hustle moments of Poirier, who were uh, which were really important. Uh, he Poirier also went scoreless in the first half. He scored six points, uh, mostly by put, putbacks or just dunking the ball over Brandon Davis' head. And his energy, his offensive rebounds. I think he got three offensive rebounds, three blocks. They were really uh, important for Real Madrid. And in some situations, they really just out hustled Barca. You saw how Gabriel Deck was jumping over Bar- Barcelona players' heads, getting all these yeah. offensive rebounds, even Sergio Jui. So I was just missing more discipline from Barca, uh, more effort in, in these effort situations. But other than that, to explain this collapse, I, I mean, you made good points ab- about using or trusting the second unit players too much in that decisive uh, stretch. Maybe Shadas uh, didn't make uh, correct adjustments just to stop this wave of Real Madrid when they started their run. I don't know, it's hard to explain because personally I think that it, for Barca it was a wasted opportunity to win the EuroLeague title just as I mentioned before the Final Four. I mean, all other teams they were really struggling. Now you have Real Madrid uh, losing their main point guard in the beginning of the game and Barca, they were always had this upper hand during the season and I agree with Shorun Asisikovic I think that Barca is a better team quality-wise but they they missed a huge opportunity to, to win the EuroLeague title. And, you know, when it takes... I mean, when you have player like Nikola Mirotic, I think he... It was his first uh, fourth Final Four uh, when he didn't manage to win the title. When you have Shrugna Sessikavčas, I mean, you never know uh, how many opportunities in the future you will have to get this title. So... I think it's very painful for both uh these the, both of these guys uh Mirotic personally Šarūnas Šiškevičius and whole entire Barcelona organization.
1: Yeah. And Mirotic was great. Actually in the past we were used to seeing him disappearing in the final fours in 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 the crucial games. In this game he was great. You cannot have any criticism towards Miritic, except from one, one pass to Dante Exum in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, you're, you're almost open for the shot, you're the best shooter on the team, on the court, on the league, and you're making an extra pass to Dante Exum, who is known for his flaws, let's say, hitting jump shots. Real Madrid would take that shot all night long. I, d- I didn't get that. This it, it was a bad decision, bad read from Mirotic. But other than that, he had a fantastic uh, performance uh, offensively. He was just great. Uh, he hit some tough shots. The usual plays, the high-low situations, uh, Nikolaitis dishing assists to him. Everything was there from Mirotic. Um, one of his best performances of the season, actually. Uh, but he needed help from other guys. And let's say Nikolas Laprovitola... So many ups and downs for him in this game. When they were down by seven, he made two three-pointers in a row. He got them back in the game. He tied the game, and then he burned himself. He burned himself. He was trapped, lost the ball, Caser made a steal, went for a layup in a fast break, Madrid by five. Then Barcelona have the chance to take the lead. La Provitola is rushing. We're talking about then sign what a great play, what a great block. Yes, I agree. But La Provitola has no business rushing to the basket like this. What's the point? Keep the ball. Make a smart play. I I, I don't understand I, why I, he did that. I can't that. blame the
0: guy who was supposed to be the uh, backup uh, point guard. I mean, he scored 17 points. He no, hit but, two but very important three-pointers. I know that he became very important part, but probably that's the problem of other Barcelona guys and you mentioned a good point I was also missing more help for Nikola Mirotic Higgins he has his own problems Uh, other players didn't step up other players had health issues Jokobaitis he's still too young for the importance of of, of these games I I was just missing more quality next to Mirotic and he kind of felt a lone warrior in this
1: battlefield yeah well you're right about La Provitola it's just that during the season, he grew as a player and he got this big role and, and big responsibility. And then you already have some expectations. You're expecting that he's not going to lose the ball uh, with so little time left when when Real Madrid is leading by three points. I'm not blaming him for tripping when Caser hit that shot. It was just an unlucky situation. But losing the ball, rushing the shot, being blocked... You have to be smarter in in these situations. But again, uh, that's not what lost the game for Barca, actually. Offensively, okay, they finished with 83 points. Maybe you could expect some better individual performances from some of the players. But what lost the game, in my mind, is the players did not take care of those really small details. Like too many times Coser was driving to the left. Too many times you didn't get the 50-50 balls. Too many times... You gave second chance opportunities to Madrid even without Tavares on the court. You you need to take care of those rebounds. Uh, Again, you missing the free throw and Yabusele grabs the rebound. It should not happen. You still have the chance to win the game. There were so many little details and you cannot even say that these things are strategic. These are mental things. And they just didn't care to and take care of those. And uh, I mean, uh, they have more quality on the roster. Everybody knows that, especially when Nigel Williams-Goss got hurt. Real Madrid playing basically without point guards, except from Sergio Uy, depending on Abalde and uh, Cuzer to create something. Barça, of course, have more quality. And in a best of five series in Liga Endesa, if they face each other in the finals, I have no doubts they will win the series. But it was just not that not their night, and you know. We, we, like you said, it's a very frustrating loss for, and for we are Barcelona. And hearing
0: about... Shara's complaining about all these details since the playoffs, since the series against Bayern Munich. And as he mentioned, he, they are lacking of killer mentality and they're having issues uh, closing the series, closing the games like like yesterday, for example. But I was just wondering, OK, you're singing the same song for past couple of seasons. So what you should do with it? I mean, should would you need to make some roster changes to, to find new players, new facilitators, let's say new killers, to find killers actually for your team. I mean, what's the ending for this? What's the next step for this? Uh, okay, I, I also agree that they should win the uh, Spanish league if nothing uh, exceptional uh, will happen but looking towards the EuroLeague, league you know two two wasted okay i cannot call it wasted opportunity last season because fs were arguably the best team in the league this year it was a wasted opportunity i'm just moving forward i just don't know what barca actually should do with the current roster with the current situation we from what i hear from what i hear brandon davis is very close uh, to signing with uh, milan Um, then, okay, Roland Schmitz, at least for now, he's expected uh, to leave, although he's not a core player. Uh, Who else? I don't know. Other than that, most of these guys should remain. Okay, Dante Exum uh, might go to the NBA, but Chárez and Barca might find some new pieces. I'm just... But the core, you know, it remains the same, so I just don't know what Chárez should do with it, Uh,
1: looking forward. Do you have any suggestions? Well, (laughs) yeah, I have a suggestion, I, I think we should not overthink it. We're overthinking. Your whole season depends on one game, and in some cases on one shot. So, the shot goes in, you're talking about greatness. The shot doesn't go in, you're talking about adjustments and replacements. I, th- I think it's, it's it's we're making things too complicated. They're not that complicated. Yeah. It's the Final Four and format. It sometimes looks unfair. Um, FS are the champions right now, defending champions. What if Will Clyburn hits the shot last year? What if Corey Higgins was healthy
0: or just had a regular, I mean, standard season-like yeah. What if
1: Kevin Punter hits the shot last year? Yeah. We have a different picture. And now yesterday's games, both games were decided in the last seconds. Mitsich hitting the game winner and Real Madrid making their free throws. That's it. Mirotic then just had a, he threw up a prayer, how the Americans say a Hail Mary shot from the court somewhere. I don't know. He, he was asking for a foul, but obviously there was no foul. It's impossible to give free free throws in that situation. But then, I mean, your whole season depends on the last shot, last second shot. If it goes in, everyone's great. If it doesn't go in, we need to cut four players and replace them. I don't think there are any deep problems in Barca's roster. Yes, of course, you can always improve. You can say like Nigel uh, Hayes-Davis, what's his role on this team? You could have a better forward that can offer you a lot more possibilities offensively they wanted nikola kalinic i could see them being a much better team with nikola kalinic for example um then again if some playa- players leave with barca's budget you can replace them you can si- sign other guys the only guy that is irreplaceable mirotic best player in the league right now
0: yeah yeah the, the thing is about you know these let's say mental problems we were talking about that these problems are repeating uh, yeah. again and again and again. And, you know, is it the problem of players uh, or is it the problem the coach? Is the coach putting too much pressure I mean, sometimes? What's the solution for this problem if we see it, you know, repeating um, again and again? So, I don't know. And, but as I said, I mean, only one shot, only one healthy player, you know, left them out of the yeah, final.
1: Listen, uh, we can actually compare two games. The Copa del Rey final and the EuroLeague semi-final. We know that EuroLeague's Final Four is the bigger stage. But, well, Copa del Rey final. How it went, Barca needed to make a huge comeback, they did it. In the last seconds they were up by two, Gabi Dek went for an open layup, he missed it. Real Madrid lost the game. In this case, it was again a close game. Sergio Yui made a big layup, La Provitola was blocked. Hanga hit clutch free throws. Actually, when he fouled Hanga, I thought it was a really good situation for Barca. Hanga was cold. He was sitting on a bench for 12 minutes or even more. And I really thought there are big odds that he's gonna miss at least one. He made them both. Real Madrid being up by three, decided not to foul. And again, as I said, Barca had a great play. Abrinas just stepped on the three point line. It was a two-pointer instead of a three-pointer so these fine margins decide who's playing the final and who's playing for a third place and nobody wants to play for a third place i'm still uh, how to say have to play for tv rights i mean just to you know Uh, yeah uh, i'm every single year i'm nagging about the third place game what's the point why are they playing honestly on the same time in Lithuania, we will have Žalgiris, Letkabelis in the semis. I would rather yeah, watch course, that than the third place game. Of course, Žalgiris is best of five, they're one to two. And no, nobody wants to play for the third spot in, in the EuroLeague. You feel like a loser, and then on Saturday you still have to play? Ah, it's, it's,
0: I mean, it's Come a
1: on. dead topic. I mean, we all know we all don't want this for game play, so we just... Commentaries don't want it, fans yeah. don't want it, players don't want it, coaches don't want it. Who, who needs that? TV. They need some... You know, whatever. Just you know, to whatever. Fill
0: the, fulfill the TV uh, yeah. schedule. Anyway, only two yeah, things whatever, to man. add. Uh, first of all, about Fabian Kozer. There are rumors and also I heard some stuff that Real might be thinking about parting ways with him. You know, He's a veteran. They might need some fresh legs for their backcourt. There are some other interesting uh, players available in the market uh, to join them. And from what I heard, that they were kind of really thinking about it. But I think that this season, few other important games, and especially this semi-final game, and we're not sure what we what's waiting for the final. Maybe he will finally win this uh, final four MVP award, as probably he's supposed to win it in 2018. I mean, I think that this game proved that Real cannot afford just letting him go, because you never know. You might be doing the same mistake like with Nicolas Laprovittola. Anyway.
1: Then there's a case. Now, but Real Madrid, they, they're still in a position to replace a lot of players on the yeah, roster. Yeah. This this team needs a rebuild. Actually, in the final, we're going to see two teams that need a rebuild. Mm. Two veteran teams that like need a, last a dance, lot of replacements in the summer.
0: Like to say right now. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is like it's a a cliche, dance, it, it is like a last dance. It's cliche, but it is. Yeah. And yeah. The, but the second yeah. super important thing is that Pablo Lasso made his sixth, I mean, Since 2013, Real made the Euroleague final for the sixth time. I mean, six of nine times, Lasso led his team to the final. I just don't want to hear any rumors, any information about Real potentially, you know, letting him go. I mean, I I, I, I just hope that Real Madrid front office will understand it
1: uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, in this game, he found solutions being down by 11 without the starting point guard who got hurt with less than a minute played, he found solutions. He, I don't know what he said in the locker room. I don't know, maybe some of the players, the veteran players, also had their voices clear in, in the locker room, but they were down by 11. They were in a bad position. <laughs> and as a commentator or, or just a fan, you are thinking, this game is almost dead. Barca needs one more run in the third, and that's it. There's no way to come back for Real for, for Madrid. So huge respect to Pablo Lasso. There were rumors about him uh, being fired when, when they lost like eight out of ten in the regular season, and, and the team really seemed in a very bad moment, and that Tompkins Ertel situation happened. Again, now with Williams Goss injured, actually, you 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 would like to have Thomas Ertel hmm. playing. Hmm. I know that it's probably not gonna happen. But you still need somebody as a ball handler. You need some help. And in this case, ortel if he can play at least 15 minutes, let's he could be very important, but I mean, probably the decision is made about him and, and, and Tompkins. Yeah, let's
0: let's let's see. I mean Cosette is doing good job. FFS, I mean, an...
1: backward, they won't be, what... you know, very focused on defense. What a comeback story that would be. But but what a comeback story that would be. Thomas ortel getting back to the roster. In the Euroleague final, playing big minutes and making plays for for Real Madrid, it would be a, a big comeback story because at one point it looked like they're gonna just release him from the team. Uh, what kind of story you're predicting for for the final on Saturday? Um, well, first of all, we don't know about the the health status of of Mitic and Larkin, but obviously they're gonna play even. Even with painkillers, yeah. either way, it's a final. They they will play well for Real Madrid. I see one way, winning through size. Uh, Gabi Deck in the third position, I think, is the biggest uh, advantage to them. It's the biggest mismatch for Anadolu FS, and they should really use Gabi Deck a lot in the in the post up situations in the low post. He can play against Anderson. He can play against Bryant. Against any of those guys, I think the Argent and forward will be uh, like a key player. Then again, Yabusele and Tavares. Their power, offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities, uh, points in the paint. This is the way to go for Real Madrid, in my opinion. But then on the other side, in modern day basketball, you will always go with the team that has more talent in the point guard and shooting guard positions. You will always go with the team that has better creators and FS with Mitsi and Larkin, they can dominate games. And for Madrid veterans, it might be a huge problem—the pace. If FS get their pace, uh, they can actually get a blowout win. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blow blowout final with FS having a particularly easy win. Uh, so for Real Madrid, points in the paint, being physical using Abidek, uh, limiting the number of possessions, uh, limiting your turnovers, not allowing Anodolo Efes any fast break situations. And then there will be moments where you just have to survive. If you're playing without the point guard, you run the clock, you play for 24 seconds. You hope that some of the difficult shots go in, because we know that Sergio Yui and Rudy Fernandez, they will take these wild one-legged fadeaway shots. And it just happens that sometimes they make those. Uh so yeah this is my take obvious favorites are FS uh, throughout the whole year i was saying that if madrid go to the final four i will I, I see them as champions it's unfair to change your predictions with one game left no but you have so to yeah A again, lot of things I,
0: has changed so
1: again yeah based on logic i have to say that fs wins but Oh, come on, I, I have to stick to my predictions even though I don't really believe in them right now.
0: Yeah, I also see that... I also think that FS they have an upper hand, although I don't think that... I, I'm not expecting a blowout win just because, you know, of health situation, of Mises and Larkin, I've, as you said, they will
1: play. Mm, I'm not saying I'm expecting I it, I'm just saying I wouldn't um, be surprised if everything I, clicks, I, it could happen. I don't see Real Madrid, for example, having a blowout win, but FS, it's possible. I, I have a feeling that... This final
0: might be ugly because Real should throw all these bodies on Misich and Larkin and just to try to contain them as best as possible. And at the same time, they they have to do everything, just avoid all these, you know, third options of Fs like Elijah Bryant. We're not sure if he will show up again, by the way, one interesting thing that Elijah Bryant, I think that he might be the first uh, player who won back to backs both in the Euroleague and NBA. I mean, uh that's that's one interesting stuff, but anyway, uh it all also goes on Brian Dunstan's shoulder. He was super important at that, that last game. I mean, if they won't find the third option, which actually happened uh pretty often uh, this season, if they won't survive uh, against Real in terms of, you know, being beaten by them because they have enough bodies, they have enough big bodies. Uh, to make their uh, life hard I see Real having a chance to win but as I said I'm going with talent this way I think that no matter how tough how exhausted they feel at the moment what kind of problems do they have but they also understand that there's only you know 40 minutes left and they will do everything for sure you know just to finish this amazing story of Anadol FS. Because as cliché as it sounds, you know the, it's it's probably their last dance. It's, it's their last dance. Let's admit it. So uh, I think that m- it might be you know another factor why they have a better chance, let's say, uh, to win the EuroLeague title. But it will be interesting, final in terms of level of drama. But I predict that it could be an ugly game.
1: Yeah, because when Real Madrid are using their size, they can play these. Enormous lineups, Abalde at the point guard, for example, Jeffrey Taylor, Gabi Dek, Yabusele, and Tavares, the size is just huge, but then it gives you no spacing on offense and the game really looks ugly, but that's the way to go for Real Madrid right now. Gone are the days when they were led by Campasso, gone are the days when they were led by Doncic, gone are the Sergio Yu's MVP days. The only way for them to win right now is like this, and they understand that. Pablo Lasso really understands that. The players also. Uh, It will be interesting to see who will they throw on on Larkin and Mitzic. For example, Taylor did not really play big minutes against Barca. But in the final, who knows? Uh, He's he's the guy to pressure the ball handler. He is a very good uh, one-on-one defender. So I expect to see more of Jeffrey Taylor. Again, Hanga did not have a good game in the semi. Maybe in the final you will see more Adam Hanga being aggressive, uh, I don't know, but the, just the only advantages I see for Real Madrid are Yabusele, Tavares, and Dek. Yeah. And FS obviously have the star power in Mitsis- they, and Lara. They say that it's hard to surprise anybody after like non-
0: nine months of the season but Pablo Laso is the coach who's always trying to surprise even against Barca they played let's say
1: never you can predict yeah. his starting lineup he started he started the el clasico with Yabusele which in the fifth position which is very
0: rare uh, knowing last on how much he trusts yeah. and how much he plays Tavares in the beginning of the game, and also he used you know these big lineups. Uh, let's say he used fewer uh, big lineups in, in in yesterday's game than usual. So I can predict some some things like that uh, for the final game. And there's a very good you know indicator for FS uh, for Real how they should win this game, how they should try to win this game. They played twice this year against FS and they won the game against the FS when they kept them under 70 points and of course they lost yeah. the game although it was a close game they lost the game the in, in Istanbul when they uh, had FS scoring 93 so it's very clear indicator mm-hmm. what kind of
1: game they should uh, try to force yeah and last season real madrid made a five game series against fs out of nowhere it looked like a sweep then it was a five game series then in game 5 Kruno Simon made a crazy shot. If if not for that shot, who knows what 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 ha- what could have happened. So uh, yeah, there are ways there are ways for for a veteran team. They are a very patient team. They never overreact when they're down double digits, which is what we saw yesterday. Okay, they were down by 13. They the players were not in panic mode or anything like that. They were just playing their game. So uh, experience means a lot actually in the final four. And we saw that some players were there for the first time. It was hard for them. And those guys that been there for six or seven years, how many Final Fours Sergio Yui has played? Like eight? Don't even ask. I have no clue. Should be something, something like Something Costas like that.
0: Was the, was the leader. <laughs> so. I think that uh, Yui yeah. uh, played the most minutes in the Final Fours, uh, if, I, if I'm correct. yeah. It has to be something like that. And, you know, Vasily Mitzic is a great yeah. example of uh, being experienced enough doing games in the final four. The way he started for Jargiris, yeah. the way he tried to win the title with FS in his first uh, season. And now we see him, you know, after four or five years, he's making these uh, crazy shots. So experience is important. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy final with two very experienced uh, teams. And it was a pleasure
1: yeah. to talk to you uh, again, actually. yeah. Is it a day off for you today in Belgrade? No, days off. You're still working? No, days off. No, days off. Yeah. Got it. Right, so nice to see you, even even though not in the studio, but we're going to catch up next week. Of course, of course. To discuss the final. Thanks
0: everyone who were watching us. Follow us on basketnews.com YouTube channel and also follow us on basketnews.com website. See you soon.